Support for Speaking of Travel comes from Asheville Regional Airport, Western North Carolina's gateway to the world. Your safety when traveling to and from Asheville is and always will be our top priority. Visit flyavl.com for all your current travel information. Prestige Subaru, offering a variety of new and pre-owned all-wheel drive Subarus, built with the zero landfill promise. All waste is recycled or reused with more at PrestigeSubaru.com. Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours, an award-winning tour showcasing Asheville's spectacular rooftop views and fascinating city history. Enjoy handcrafted drinks and delicious food with reserved seating and transportation included. Visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com and by RomanticAsheville.com. Create your perfect vacation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Plan your next getaway to Asheville and the North Carolina Blue Ridge Mountains by visiting RomanticAsheville.com. Welcome to Speaking of Travel with Marilyn Ball. Sit back and be carried away to places around the world and right here in our own backyard. No passport required. Hi, this is Marilyn Ball. Welcome to Speaking of Travel right here on iHeartRadio 570 WWNC. And remember, you can always listen to this episode of Speaking of Travel or any past episode with a simple click on the Speaking of Travel website, that's speakingoftravel.net, and on all your favorite podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app, Buzzsprout, Pandora, and Amazon. And be sure when you visit speakingoftravel.net to sign up for the Travel Club. You'll receive travel news, helpful tips, and links to stories from people who believe small acts can create big impacts to help heal Mother Earth. It's long been believed that escaping the office or your house and heading into the outdoors has a calming effect, and we really have witnessed this over the last year and a half. And we all have a responsibility to save our Mother Earth, and that really should start from a very personal level. And we must understand how to be more mindful and how we are responsible to help protect nature. Did you know a plastic bag takes at least 10 years to decompose? When we give to the earth from our hearts and we make the effort to heal the earth, we're also healing ourselves. I'm excited to continue the Speaking of Travel plus Leave No Trace series with Richard Crawford, host of the Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace. And Ricky's going to help us highlight the importance of conservation, sustainable travel, and ecotourism, because Ricky is passionate about the health of our planet, and he's going to share his experience traveling the world. Ricky and his guests each month will help us learn more about solutions and inspire our actions through environmental stewardship. And Ricky, it is wonderful to have you on Speaking of Travel today. Thanks, Marilyn. I'm so excited to be back. Um, last time we did this, it was a ball. I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to tonight's uh, recording. Well, we have a guest with us today, and that guest is speaking to us from Australia, Ben Alcott. And Ricky, I'm going to let you introduce Ben because you and him are good good mates. 
Yeah, yeah. Ben, Ben and I are good mates. We are partners in crime, so to speak. I, I guess when it comes to when it comes to leave no trace. Um, but I'll let Ben give a little bit of his background. He's, he's quite the fella. He, he's quite experienced in the world of media. Um, and then we'll chat a little bit probably about how we actually met. So, Ben, I'll, I'll let you take it away from Sydney, Australia. International flavour this week. International? Well, I'm quite the fella, apparently. What an introduction, Ricky. I'm quite the fella. <laughs> and I like how you said your last recording session was a ball. I assume that's in relation to Marilyn? <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Good. So, folks, uh, well, hello. Thanks for having me. Real pleasure to be here. Uh, my background, I guess uh, I'm, I own a production company. I started, uh, I was a child actor here in Australia, and uh, I got into production. I started my uh, production company when I was 14, so I was a young little uh, whippersnapper. And um, I started off by specialising in music. So I, you know, toured with Billy Joel, Aerosmith, Neil Diamond, Frank Sinatra, uh, did all of that sort of thing back in the day. And then uh, as things went on, I got into food. So in uh, 2001, I started working with chefs like Jamie Oliver and Gordon Ramsay and Jar De Laurentiis and Bobby Flay and, and so on, Rachel Ray. And then um, uh, sort of uh, the, the business grew and continued and what is it, Ricky? Seven years ago now, I actually met Ricky and uh, got dragged into the world of luxury travel. Who would have thought? And what a terrible way it is to have to live one's life traveling the world. In uh, Mind you, it's offset by the fact that often I have to share a room with Ricky and listen to him snoring. So it's not all, <laughs> not all luxury and fun and games. And, uh, and yeah, so we've, uh, we've spent the past seven years doing all sorts of things around the world. Yeah, and I, how we actually met, you know, just recently we had these billionaires going up in the space, but Ben, you and I were doing that seven years ago, right, technically? We were. Uh, both Ricky and I actually met uh, possibly in the least sustainable way. <laughs> so we uh, we were both, Ricky was filming a, uh, a piece on Zero G, which is a company that does those parabolic flights where you do weightlessness. And, uh, and I was there, we were in Cape Canaveral in, in Florida, and uh, there we were, and I, I met Ricky, and uh, and he was going up on the flight, and I was going up on the flight, and I saw this guy, and he had like seven GoPro cameras attached to him in various body parts, and I went over to him and said, Ricky, what? Um, I, well, I didn't say Ricky because I didn't know that's what you were called, but I went over and said, hi, how are you, and what what's with all the cameras? And he said, oh, look, um, I'm here with my, my camera guy, David. And uh, the problem is that David can't get a, a seat on the or a spot on the plane. And I said, well... You know, being the shy retiring fellow I am, I said, look, well, do you want me to give you a hand? And so he unstrapped, you know, five of the seven GoPros and handed them to me. And we did zero gravity. And that was it. We went up and we, we did the thing. And that started a, a long and beautiful friendship. And the next call I got from Ricky was uh, he was going to Africa and uh, needed to. Uh, and Ricky, was it David couldn't come along or, or there, there was some reason why you were looking for someone to help you out. And I put my hand up. And we went to, to the Masai Mara and, you know, I thought this is, I can put up with Ricky's snoring if I get to travel the world. And, and since then we've been, oh, I, I can't even imagine, we've been to all the continents pretty much except uh, Antarctica. That's on the list, isn't it? Definitely. It's on the top of my list, actually, if we can get there. <laughs> Well, this is wonderful, and Ben, I can't thank you enough for, for joining us because I know the time difference is pretty radical. It's 
like tomorrow, I think, where you are. Is that right? I am in the future, Marilyn. I'm in the future. And the future, I hate to say it, the COVID is still here, but uh, hopefully not for much longer. I do have to say, though, talking of time differences, um, and we'll get into Leave No Trace in a minute, but Ricky and I, when we started editing Leave No Trace, of course, we did it in person. Ricky would fly to Australia and would sit down for a week and edit an episode. And that, uh, that ground to a halt. And basically for a year... Uh, I would um, get on the line to Ricky at nine o'clock at night and Ricky would get up at, you know, five in the morning and uh, and we would edit. So he'd get up first thing in the morning. Uh, his alarm would go off at 4.30 and I'd stay up till midnight. And that's how we edited the program. So, you know, we, we would collaborate. And uh, so time time zones really became irrelevant. So, uh, you know, he's he hasn't slept for a year, nor have I. And it doesn't get more eco-friendly than that though, Ben, right? 10 episodes <laughs> edited right. with zero carbon footprint. That's not bad. Zero carbon emissions. Look at that. <laughs> well, I think that's something that you can definitely brag about and talk about because what a feat to be able to do that, to be able to stay in sync with each other and be able to coordinate your your epic time zone to to make that work and leave no trace you know it's such a popular show and people are tuned in and and they want to know more about what it's like to travel the world and be able to be uh, connected with people of all cultures who are all doing their part to help to help us survive, if you will. I mean, not to put it into such a, a dramatic place, but truly, it's each and every one of the people that you've been connecting with that are doing their part to help out. And that must be very rewarding for both of you. Well, look, I know Ricky covered this uh, in your last show, but just sort of to recap, we originally, we were shooting a show that was all about luxury experiences and it was fantastic and we we saw amazing hotels and amazing properties and things to do. Uh, But it sort of occurred to us, are there people out there who are offering those same that same level of of luxury, ultra luxury, but offering it uh, with sustainability and ecotourism in mind? Because as Ricky said in the last show, a lot of people think ecotourism is mud huts or you know having to rough it. And uh, it occurred to us that it's all well and good to be doing these luxury experiences, but the people who've got the real money, the the people who who really are well off. They're not about showing off. They're about actually gaining experiences. Because at the end of it, material possessions don't really matter. It's what you've done in your life. And these people are really searching out those those ultra-luxury experiences, but doing it in such a way that is sustainable. So we had a look around and we tried to find some places that uh, we, we sort of paused uh, we, we sort of paused the um, uh, the luxury travel concept. We had a look at it and we thought, right, what can we uh, we, we do and find some places that are sustainable? And we really came across a number of organisations. And I think the thing with sustainability is it is expensive. You know, it does cost money in some locations. You go to uh, some of the destinations we go to, you go to Peru, it is cheaper to not look after the environment. It just, you know, to throw your rubbish out the back, to not recycle, to to get your food shipped in in plastic, it's cheaper. But these places realize that they have to look after their environment because without their environment, there is no tourism. You can't be living in the Maldives in pristine, beautiful waters and have plastic bottles go past while you're sitting on the beach, you know. So ultimately, these locations that we work with, these um, these destinations, they realize it's better for them financially in the long run 
to actually invest in sustainability. And, uh, and that's what attracts their, their customers. Well, when we come back from the break, I want to really dive deeper, if you will, into what it's like for you, especially, Ben, regarding ecotourism through the camera's lens. Uh, you're there with Ricky. You're, you're following him. You're, sometimes I'm sure you're walking backwards as you're filming all this, but I'd love to get kind of your intake on what you're seeing and, and Ricky, you as well, to be able to talk about being in these places and really being able to see how we could even make a difference. I mean, if there was ever a time to, to be learning and healing, it's now. So how can we get more information before we go to break? What's the best way, Ricky, to get up with you and, and get connected with you and Ben? Yeah, you can follow us on all our uh, social media sites, uh, Instagram at Leave No Trace, uh, Facebook at Leave No Trace. And you can go to our website and watch uh, some of the episodes, actually, if you don't have Amazon Prime. And that is uh, www.leavenotrace.tv. Don't forget the .tv. .tv. All right. Well, this is Marilyn Ball. You're listening to Speaking of Travel. We're talking with Ricky Crawford and Ben Alcott, and we'll be right back. It's summertime in Subieville, which means it's time for adventure here in western North Carolina, or more aptly, time to get outdoors and outgoing down a road less traveled. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. And off the beaten path, nothing says tough like the tried and true reliability of an all-wheel drive Subaru. There's a reason why 97% of Subarus sold in the last 10 years are still on the road today and ready for the next adventure. Discover the beauty of all-wheel drive at Prestige Subaru, 585 Tunnel Road, Nashville, or visit us online at PrestigeSubaru.com. Fly me to the moon, let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball, and I'm really excited that we're continuing the Speaking of Travel plus Leave No Trace series with Ricky Crawford, host of the Amazon Prime TV series, Leave No Trace. And we're here with Ben Alcott, who's talking to us from Australia, and he is already into tomorrow. So, Ben, thank you so much for waking up and being on Speaking of Travel today. Well, the good news is I can give you the weather forecast from tomorrow. If anybody would like to know, you know, what, which horse wins the race, give me a call and I'll sort you out because we are in the future here in Australia. Um, and I guess I should clarify uh, that I, um, uh, why am I here today? Well, I'm the, I, I guess I'm the director of the show. Ricky's the presenter, I'm the ter- director, and together we are the executive producers. So we put Leave No Trace together, and the way it works is that Ricky... Uh, does, works with the researchers to come up with the locations and, and uh, works out which destinations are eco-sustainable and, and who've got programs that are worth uh, us going and filming. And then uh, when we go there, I sort of put the show together. So uh, don't forget that no matter how many mountains Ricky climbs, I have to climb the same mountains backwards carrying three cameras. <laughs> so don't let everyone out there, don't think that Ricky's a big hero because he climbs up cliff faces. I have I, to do it whilst going backwards. I, I do have to say, I do get a lot of credit and I get a lot of people tell me how brave I am and how wonderful these experiences are. And they can't believe I, I'm so 
um, adventurous. And, and I always tell them, I was like, look, whatever you're seeing on camera, there's a camera guy doing everything backwards, <laughs> basically. That's and funny. that is Ben. And, and just, just also to clarify, ben, ben gave himself a couple of titles there, but Ben actually has about five titles on the show. So he's, he's audio, <laughs> he's director, he's producer, he's drone pilot. Um, you know, right. it goes on and on and on. We, right. we drone crasher, don't you mean? Yeah, we, we do work with a relatively small... The, the nature of the show uh, and the way that we shoot the show means that we can do it with a small crew, and, and it's better that we do have a small crew, so not, we're, not, um, we're not inhibiting anybody else around us. But Ben truly is... I, I, I take my hat off to you, man. He truly is a media genius. It's actually part of the ethos of the show that uh, the destinations that we go to are uber luxurious. They're usually very small, and, uh, and I think the largest probably has... 40 or or 40 villas or something but we can't really justify taking the usual crew of eight or nine people because there's all those airfares all that carbon emission uh it is taking up lots of rooms in these you know and and one of the destinations ricky and i stayed in the room was forty-two thousand us dollars a night and we can't really justify saying we need nine rooms thanks because of the crew so uh so ricky basically has to talk on camera and i have to do everything else no i'm just kidding that's not true at all but um but i do have to say that uh we run a very unusual uh show and what I mean by that is that normally you send out researchers and you send out producers and they do recce's and they write the plan out, whereas our planning consists of Ricky saying, oh, tomorrow we're going to Africa and me going, okay, I'll see you at the airport. And normally uh, as we arrive and we're in the car to the destination, I say to Ricky, so what's this place about? And he gives me a little bit of information and we sit down at dinner when we arrive and we plan out what the shoot's going to be. And that basically is, uh, you know, when there's an episode we did in Peru where we had to climb, um, you know, 900 meters up a cliff face. And I said, so, Ricky, what are we doing today? And he says, I'm not sure. Let's go and find out. And then we turn up. It's like, oh, we're climbing a cliff. Let's go and yeah. climb that cliff. So we don't really, it's not like we get to plan or train or anything. It's just, what are we doing today? We're jumping out of a plane. Okay. Which, help, which helps with the show because really when you see my reaction to anything, it is genuine because for the, yeah, for the most part, yeah. both him and I are showing up, both Ben and I are showing up on that moment and be like, oh, wow. All right, then. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing this today. Yeah. And the other fun thing is that whatever Ricky does, so if Ricky goes down a water slide or if Ricky you know, jumps off a cliff or if we have to go into a bat-filled cave in Borneo, still my most horrendous experience that we've done. Um, the good thing is that whatever he does, I get to do too. So that's uh, it, it's a very equal partnership in that respect, and that's what makes a lot of it fun. Well, it is what makes it fun, and I, I have to say that your Leave No Trace Instagram, uh, Ricky, is just so much fun because you post things that are like little outtakes, and, and as I watch those, I think, well, Ben must have taken that footage, those little <laughs> funny outtakes, and it cracks me up every time. It's I can't even imagine what it must be like for the both of you to be someplace like Borneo and or Peru and doing things that are probably out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah, out of our comfort zone. And we, there's always like some of the challenges that we've had that you would never expect um, that just kind of pop up. Make, look, it makes it part of the show. It makes it so much fun. Um, ben, I, I, can you think of anything off the top of your head? I, I guess the one that comes I certainly to mind can. Is, being stuck up a mountain and the drone software needed an update. Well, there's actually, for, for me, one other stands out. We're in Peru 
and um, we were at a at a biological reserve in the, literally in the middle of nowhere. So we had to fly to a, an airport, then get on a small plane, fly for four hours, get off, drive for four hours, you know, walk for an hour, and then we ended up in this place. And so uh, we're doing a drone shot of this of this amazing hotel. And Ricky's job is to be the spotter. So he's he's keeping an eye out on the drone and I'm doing the filming. And I stupidly say, hey, Ricky, look at this. It looks great. And Ricky looks down and I'm doing some terribly complicated drone move and drive the drone into a tree. And so, of course, it, it crashes and breaks and, you know, splits apart. Now, keep in mind, we're in the middle of the rainforest in the middle of Patagonia and... Without this drone, we're we're pretty stuffed. So you know, and also no one speaks English. That they all only speak you know the local language. So we're like, okay, we have to get this drone fixed. And it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. And and I don't know, Marilyn, if you've ever tried to explain to someone who doesn't speak English in, the, in a rainforest how a drone works. Uh, but here I am talking about PCUs, and you know we have to have voltage checks, and they're they're looking at me like I'm an idiot. And anyway, long story short, we um we call someone in Santiago and whatever, whatever. And uh, the next morning, eight o'clock, knock on the door of the hotel room. Oh, your parts have arrived. And I'm like, how the hell did the parts arrive? And they were literally there in like a couple of hours. And it just goes to show what a small world it is and how how no matter where you are in the world, you're still connected. And just, um, you know, but the show has lots of those sorts of challenges, lots of them. So that's what makes it fun. Every time we do an episode, each episode's about 45 minutes. That's what we call a commercial hour. But let me tell you, when they start off, uh, before we, we really cut them down, each episode's about an hour and a half. There's that much footage. So certainly, certainly lots of fun to go and shoot, I can tell you. Well, and what you were saying about connecting with people, I mean, that's the most important thing is that not only are you out there looking at and 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 following people who are being mindful about ecotourism and sustainability, but at the same time, you're really helping to break down barriers between cultures. And that's something that, you know, these are the kind of stories that we all need to be hearing right now, is that yeah. people are people everywhere you go, right? Yeah, I, I for me personally, I, you know, we go all around the world and we meet all these different people from different cultures, but the the goal always seems to be the same, right? And, and the people always seem to be the same. It's about family, it's about love. And then ultimately, the reason we're there, obviously, is to protect the planet. And definitely, everywhere we go, everybody that we talk to has the same mindset. We have to protect this planet. Well, what would you like people to know regarding responsible travel and maybe a step that they can take just to be more mindful as we all start to venture out again into the journeys and adventures that we're all kind of pent up to do right now? Yeah, I'll let, I'll let you take that one, Ben. I, I gave a couple of tips last one, and, and oh, I'll thanks. let you get your perspective on that. Well, I guess the one thing I found is that um, is just do your research. It's very easy. Just jump online, Google Places, and you will find that uh, their eco-credentials uh, and we, I, we were talking about this earlier before we, we started um, the the podcast, is that a lot of the organizations in the old days used to hide their eco-credentials because peop- they thought that people searching luxury would equate eco-credentials with mud huts and, you know, with things being cheap. So they would be doing their, there are a lot of the organizations we work with, they put the eco work in, but they were sort of keeping it from the guest. Because 
uh, at the time, you know, a few years ago, eco resorts were regarded as being places you would go and you'd have it shoved down your throat and you would, you know, it was only eco crazy people who would go there. Whereas we're finding now those uber luxury resorts, those really uh, high end experiences, they've got these eco practices, they've got these programs in place. In fact, one of the places we go to is so luxurious that they, they, They've got butlers and they've got, you know, uh, barefoot luxury on the sand, but they have a program uh, that if you partake in eco training, for want of a better word, if you take part in their eco processes or in their eco programs, they actually give you three nights free stay at the property. So you can choose not to, you can do your thing, or you can choose to be involved. And if you're involved, you get a reward. So I guess my biggest tip is it's not hard to research, jump on, have a look. Uh, and there are certain organizations as well, like, um, you know, Nat Geo runs a program or certainly are at the moment, you know, Great Lodges of the World. And you go on and all of those have been vetted and checked and so forth. But there's a lot of places now that are in these incredible locations that offer these eco, uh, what's the word, Ricky, eco awareness, eco sensitivities. And um, all you have to do is go there and ask. I mean, we've that's why we we go to these places. So we see behind the scenes. But we were just saying before that all of these properties have got their own gardens pretty much. You know, all of them do waste recycling. We've got one property we've been to where all of the um, polystyrene boxes that are used to ship food in, they're all recycled into bricks and they use those to build the buildings. So all you have to do is ask really and uh, and you'd be amazed at the the variety that you have in front of you. Well, I can't thank you both enough for being here on Speaking of Travel today and being able to uh, set the stage, if you will, of what it's like to go out there, to to be in an adventure, but at the same time to be able to meet people from all different cultures and to really be able to gain an experience of what we can all do to temper uh, this climate issue that we're in right now and, and that we can actually take part in our own in our own homes even to to make those to make those changes and ben thank you so much is it uh are you you're just getting up and getting your started on your day right look i live eat breathe leave no trace i'm ready to go and turn some lights off and turn their conditioning off uh but of course we would love to hear from any of your listeners uh, if they've got any requests for where they'd like us to go or any, any suggestions on places they've heard about uh we've got a couple of destinations in season two that were suggested to us and we reached out to those destinations and they're very you know excited to be seeing us so if there's anywhere that uh, you'd like your listeners would like us to go drop us a line on the facebook page or via the website and uh, we'd love to go and have a look as long as it involves me leaving my house which currently i have have been locked down in here in australia where uh, i'm from sydney and we're in our i think seventh week of hard lockdown they reckon it's going to go another seven weeks so my my expeditions are to my fridge at the moment well, thank you so much for reaching out and being a part of, of us today. Thank and you. we'll do it again. We'll just keep in touch so that we can give you something Fantastic. to do, right? <laughs> and Ricky, <laughs> please, thank please. you. Please, please. We, we yeah. will. Ricky, thank you so much. And I'm looking forward to next month and, and coming back with our series. And tell us again how we can get in touch. Yeah, so you can um, check out our website. You can DM us at, uh, on our Instagram account at Leave No Trace or on our Facebook at Leave No Trace. Um, or you can check us out on our website and, and definitely, I think, can send us a message through there at leavenotrace.tv. And don't forget the .tv. 
right? Don't forget the dot .tv. All right. Well, thank you again, Ricky and, and Ben there in Australia. And I'm looking forward to being thank able you, to do it again. I have to say that, that I've had an absolute ball. <laughs> well, we're going to make a show out of that, Ben. So. All right. Well, you know, not only is it beneficial to spend time outside in nature for healing, but there are many studies right now showing the benefits of regular sauna use that helps your heart and your health. And taking time to soak and relax in a sauna can actually help you unwind and relax and help reduce stress. Coming up next is Andrew Nalig. He's the founder of the Sauna House right here in Asheville, North Carolina. And he's going to share with us why soaking traditions are a central part of various cultures and societies for centuries. And now they are even more accessible to us today than ever before. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Asheville, North Carolina is the place to be this summer, and a rooftop bar tour tops the list of things to do. Join Asheville Rooftop Bar Tours as they share the best Asheville has to offer on a three-hour, three-rooftop bar tour experience. You'll enjoy spectacular views, sample cocktails, reserve seating, city history, including transportation, and more. Daily tours happening now. To learn more, visit AshevilleRooftopBarTours.com. Buongiorno, this is Mark Smith, President of Private Italy Tours LTD. We are now accepting fully refundable deposits for our October 5 through 16 tour of Puglia, the heel of Italy's so-called boot, and nearby Basilicata. We keep safety first, away from crowds, and enjoy open-air explorations of towns like Alberobello, home of Puglia's famed Trulli houses, Lecce, the so-called Florence of the South, and Matera, Basilicata's famed town of cave houses. We will share private boat excursions with our guests along the coasts near Gallipoli and from the very tip of Italy at Santa Maria di Liuca. Fabulous wines and meals, private ensuite accommodations, and easy days are yours on this wonderful experiential journey. You will be based at just two locations during our tour, a gorgeous Pugliese winery and from a flawlessly restored 16th century Castello. We still have some rooms available on this unforgettable journey, and we are also offering all six of our 2022 tours from Venice and Florence, Umbria and Lamarque, to Italy's poetically beautiful lake region, to Sicily and the Amalfi Coast. Italy is yours with Private Italy Tours LTD. Private-Italy.com Fly me to the moon Let me play among the stars And let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. I've been making a bucket list of all the places I would love to be right now. And one of my favorite images is me basking in the heat of a piping hot sauna in Finland. 
Asana bathing is a major staple in Finland's culture and typically involves alternating between extreme hot and cold temperatures and then cooling off in a pool or frigid sea before returning to the heat. Well, this routine is not only relaxing, but it also has excellent health benefits like relieving headaches, arthritis, and even flu symptoms and improving circulatory and immune functions. Well, you don't have to convince me. And since I can't go to Finland right now, imagine my joy in finding out I can have a sauna bathing experience practically in my own backyard right here in Asheville. There's an old Finnish saying that goes, one is to be in the sauna as one is to be in church. And I was in church the other day and I'm excited to have Andrew Nelig here, the founder of the Sauna House, as my guest today. And Andrew, thank you so much for joining us on Speaking of Travel. Yeah, absolutely, Marilyn. Thank you for having me on today. I'm so excited to talk about it. And thank you for welcoming me into the Sauna House and having this experience. Really, you know, I hate saying life-changing experience, and yet truly when you're when you're sitting in the hot and the cold and you're alternating and you're relaxing it really changes your your well-being so give us a little backstory on how you even came to to have such a company sure absolutely i fell in love with sauna bathing in 2013 it came into my life fairly spontaneously i'm a i'm a you know, a blue collar kid who grew up in Northeast Philadelphia and sauna as the Finnish pronounce it was never a part of my life. But in 2013, I was living in San Francisco and a number of different forces drove me into the communal bathing scene uh, in San Francisco. Um, there's a great facility there called Kabuki, which is actually um, an onsen. So it's a more of an Asian style spa than what we've created here in Asheville, but it was a big part of how I fell in love with it. And my wife who's here, grew up here in North Carolina, when we decided to move back here, she was challenged me to open one of these facilities because I've been an entrepreneur and we looked at the Asheville marketplace and started studying the industry and visiting facilities. And I just totally fell in love with bathing culture from around the world. And that inspired us to launch Sauna House Asheville. Well, it's a wonderful experience. And walk us through this process, Andrew, because when I got there, your team, they were so gracious and so kind and walked us through the different, the different setups that you have and options that are there. But it's, it, there's a flow. Talk to us a little bit about what that flow is. Absolutely. So if you think of communal bathing, there's a ritual around it depending on which culture you're from. At Sauna House Asheville, though, guests check in. And then after they've been given the rundown from our team of a little bit of what to do and how to do it and move through the space, the first step is they go into the locker room and have a nice hot shower. And here they they cleanse their body, they uh, perfumes and oils, and that prepares them for the next step of the process. So after they've showered off They go into the hot sauna for about 15 minutes and 15 minutes plus or minus. We always tell people to uh, go to where it challenges you, but, you know, feel it out, especially if it's your first time. 
After the sauna, you'll take a rinsing shower. And this is really traditional in most cultures because again, like you're purging. So you're bathing your body and the sweat's coming out. And so you want to rinse off all of that, um, all those toxins and sweat that you've just put out. You want to rinse that off before going in the cold plunge. That helps keep the cold plunge much cleaner, obviously. Um, but then you'll spend a couple minutes in a freezing cold tank, which most people think, yikes, I'm not going to do that. But um, we find that our guests like challenge themselves a little bit and they start small and then they end up feeling a great sense of accomplishment. Um, and after a couple minutes in the cold pool, then 10 to 15 minutes to relax and rehydrate on our heated furniture and other things and connect with others. And communal bathing is about sharing an experience and connecting deeply. And we don't allow cell phones in the space. So you find that um, people don't have as much distraction around them. And so the quality of their conversation tends to be much higher. And so after relaxing and, and connecting with someone and rehydrating, then you'll repeat the process two to three times during a visit. And this you know, if we want to get in right into the health benefits, then uh, the circulatory system and the nervous system both experience tremendous health benefits here. The expanding and contracting of veins and arteries keeps them supple. And so most of the big studies out of Finland uh, have proven that things like Alzheimer's, dementia, heart attack, and stroke are greatly reduced with regular sauna bathing. And that's all due to the health of veins and arteries. Um, people who suffer from inflammation and uh, arthritis and different things like that, they notice really great effects from the cold water where that's reducing inflammation because when you get in cold water, your body has three sensors um, in your chest and neck. And that tells you that you're actually going into hypothermia. So it's contracting your veins and arteries, which in our modern society that we live at 72 degrees, um, you never do this, but there's a whole, your body's programmed to know how to do this, to protect you from freezing. And it turns out like that, that contracting really squeezes out inflammation. So people really come do a few rounds of sauna and cold therapy and they leave feeling a lot lighter. And on top of that, there's brain chemistry and dopamine and uh, serotonin being released. So it's, it's pretty hard to do the circuit of communal bathing at Sauna House and, and leave not feeling the benefits. Well, I certainly felt the benefits. I felt so relaxed and, and I did feel healthier. And certainly recognizing that this communal bathing has been going on for centuries. It's not like you're inventing the wheel here. It's something that is a, a classic way of looking at becoming a better, healthier person. And your space is so unique. And it, it seems that you have been able to really focus on the time right now and providing a very, not only healthy way for people to get uh, the benefits from the sauna, but just being in that space right now. And I really appreciate that. Yeah, we're so glad to be here. Um, it certainly was a challenging year and a half. But everyone who came throughout the time, you know, we took many procedures, you know, we changed a lot of things and the volume is much lower 
which makes the experience great for people and, and people are comfortable. And yeah, people have expressed how grateful they are that we've been here this last year for them. And, you know, the immune function and how important your immune system is, is I don't really know if there's much uh, you can do that's more important for your immune system than taking vitamin D and sauna and cold therapy. Absolutely. Well, Andrew, how can we get more information about the sauna house and, and sign up and get over there? Sure. You can hop on our website. It's saunahouse.com. And if you like to follow people on social, we're on social media as sauna house on Instagram and Facebook. So if people want more information, they can find it there or they can always give us a call. Well, Andrew, thank you so much. And I'm really looking forward to having you back on Speaking of Travel later on to really dig deeper into the benefits of uh, this sauna process, where it comes from. It's There's so much to learn, and I'm really looking forward to having more time to, to spend and really dig deeper with you. So thank you so much for what you're doing and for being partners with Romantic Asheville. And, you know, you talk about community bathing just being an, an, as part of our community in mm-hmm. all that is going on here. I just want to say thank you. Oh, well, thank you. I'm so grateful to have been on the show today and talk with you and educate everyone on communal bathing and the, and the future of social wellness. Well, we will definitely look forward to having you back on Speaking of Travel, Andrew. Thank you again. Yep. Have a good one. Well, with more and more people traveling today, many people are looking at how to get from point A to point B without having a layover. Flights with layovers oftentimes are cheaper than other flights, but despite the savings, many travelers will pay more to avoid that extra time in the airport. But you know, layovers don't have to be endless, boring hours waiting for your vacation to start. So how do you navigate yourself during a layover to help make your journey a little less stressful? Well, here to give us some tips coming up is Tina Kinsey from the Asheville Regional Airport to help us go smoothly from one flight to another. So stay tuned. Summertime is the perfect time to get out and explore North Carolina's Blue Ridge Mountains. Create your perfect vacation or staycation in the land of the sky with the region's most popular online travel guide. Not just for couples, RomanticAsheville.com Travel Guide covers a nearly 100-mile radius in and around Asheville, North Carolina. With idyllic weather, beautiful scenery, and a variety of safe and memorable adventures. Western North Carolina is the place to be. Visit RomanticAsheville.com today. Fly me to the moon. Let me play among the stars. Let me see what spring is like on Jupiter and Mars. Welcome back to Speaking of Travel. I'm your host, Marilyn Ball. With widespread travel on the rise again, and even with a greater availability of nonstop flights, many travelers are still needing to book connecting flights to reach their final destination. And sometimes the flight layovers are longer than you maybe hoped for. 
You know, back in the day, you could grab a meal and hang out at the restaurants or bars or even do a little shopping. But today, many restaurants are still closed and even shopping is limited. With airports getting increasingly crowded, how do you navigate yourself during a layover to make your journey just a little less stressful? Here to give us some tips and explanations of how layovers work to help you transit smoothly from one flight to another is Tina Kinsey, Director of Marketing, PR, and Air Service Development at the Asheville Regional Airport. And Tina, we are really looking forward to hearing about how we can stay calm during a layover. Thanks for being here. Sure, it's great to be here with you as always. Well, Tina, you have become really our kind of eyes and ears on the ground since you're there every day at the airport. And I know that there are a lot of nonstop flights now out of Asheville, but people still need to have connecting flights. So let's talk a little bit about layovers, maybe starting out with what is a layover? Sure. So when you fly, most of the time, you'll have a connecting flight. You can't get from point A to point B nonstop from everywhere, you know, so most of the time you're going to have a connection and a connection just means that you board, for instance, you'd get on a plane in Asheville and you would fly to a connecting hub, you know, the bigger, much bigger international connecting hubs like Atlanta or Charlotte or Chicago or um, Dulles in D.C., Dallas, you know, those kinds of places. And from there, you would board another flight to go to your final destination. And frankly, I find it very easy to do that kind of traveling. You know, you get to know which connecting hubs you like the best, which have the most amenities that you're looking for or that are easiest for you to navigate. And then you can do your planning that way. Uh, Or you can look at flight schedules and determine, you know, if you're looking for a really short connection versus if you feel more comfortable with the padding of a longer connection, just in case something happens on one end of your journey. You know, you might have a slight delay, that kind of thing that gives you a little padding for that for that connection. But that's a layover. And often in um, international travel, that flight that will take you internationally only leaves at one specific time from your connecting airport. So depending on your originating flight, you might have a pretty long layover, pretty long connection. So these are all things to be thinking about when you're planning your travel. Well, now I know things are a little different as far as going from one airport to another airport and what you can expect when you get on get on your flight, you're you're going to another destination to get on your ultimate flight to go where you want to go. Do people stay on the plane? Can they leave the airport? What are what are some of the protocols here as far as that goes? Sure. So almost all of the time you are, you deplane at, at your layover destination, your connecting destination. Most flights are not a one stop. That's when you stay on the plane, that's called a one stop. Uh, and it's just a very quick moment where they're picking up a few more passengers at that connection and then move on. But those are rare. Those don't occur very often. So most of the time you're getting off of the plane in your connecting airport. And for the most part, 
um, when people book flights, their connections are somewhere between 45 minutes to a couple of hours, you know, in between flights. So they're going to stay in the airport. And I have noticed that most travelers, once they deplane, they quickly look for their the gate where they need to be um, to get on that next plane and they make their way there. And then once they get to that gate, kind of feel more relaxed and then start to look around in the airport. Okay, what's around here? Can I get something to eat? Is what's of interest in this general vicinity, you know, of my new gate? Um, and that seems to be the, the behavior pattern. Well, what about security and safety? Are you required when you have a layover to go back through security? Do you have to claim your bags? What actually is happening when you're going into that layover situation? Sure. For domestic travel, most of the time, it's just as if you're still on your flight journey when you enter that connecting airport, the gate area. Um, And so it's pretty seamless. Your bag is taken care of. It's put on the next plane. Uh, You don't have to go through security again. You just go to the gate and then board when it's time, unless you decide to leave the secure area of the airport. I don't recommend it um, unless you have a really long layover in an interesting place and you've got a very specific thing you want to go see in that city and you've got plenty of time to do it. Uh, Otherwise, I do not recommend leaving the secure area. Um, And so that happens. But but for international travel, sometimes depending on um, the flight that you've booked and the airline or airlines that you're flying and the agreement they have with each other, you really need to understand what happens um, when you get to your Uh, connecting point where you're going to board that international flight. Sometimes you do have to uh, go through security again. Most of the time not, but sometimes you do. And where can people find out more information, like as they're doing their research and looking at booking and wanting to take a, uh, a trip? How can they, how can people find out this kind of, I don't know, it's almost random information, if you will, but it's important to know as you start to plan. Sure. Um, Really, passengers need to be really cognizant of the airline they've chosen to fly, where they've originally booked their ticket, um, and peruse that airline's website. Often there are frequently asked questions. They all have customer service options so that you could get your questions answered. So that's, that's really where you need to start. You need to be able to to understand what this flight is all about. Um, and, and the airlines are great. They have very specific information on their websites. As you're booking, you can find out exactly how long the connection time will be in each of the various flights that, that your options, you know, that you're choosing from. They even go as far as to tell you how the percentage of time that the flights operate on time. So, you know, that helps you make decisions about which flight to choose, uh, that kind of thing. Well, this is all really good information to know. And I think that, again, it's like we think about booking our trip, where we want to go, what airline we want to take. And and that layover portion of the program sometimes is overlooked. I know I've had 
instances where I've booked a flight and it's like, oh my God, there's only 40 minutes between when this flight lands and when I have to get to the other gate. Right. And that is definitely something that you need to pay attention to because that's on you. If you book that, you know, and there's a delay, you know, the airline is, they're going to do what they can do. But if there's a mechanical delay or whatever, you're going to miss your connection. They will reaccommodate you, but, you know, you don't have a whole lot of choice at that point. So, you know, that's a thing to think about. How, what is that comfort zone for you with that connection time? Well, I think it's good now that people can at least have that in their toolbox as far as things to look for, what to pay attention to as we all start to venture out and travel again. And Tina, give us a little update of what's happening over there at the Asheville Regional Airport and how we can get connected. Sure. We are busy, busy, busy. Air travel has returned. It's great to see uh, the parking lots full and the crowds of people who are happily traveling again. And if you would like to find out more about what's going on here, including new flights that uh, are coming on soon, visit our website at flyavl.com and sign up for our monthly e-newsletter right there on our homepage. Well, Tina, thank you so much. It's always such a good, you're resourceful for us. You provide so much information. And I think that sometimes we as travelers take it for granted that all the information is just going to appear when in fact, we really need to be creating within ourselves this information toolbox, if you will, of, of what we need to know as we move forward. So thank you so much. Sure. Well, Tina, thank you, and thanks to Ricky and Ben and Andrew for being on Speaking of Travel today. I've been working really hard to find my calm in these days of chaos and uncertainty, and sometimes I feel as if I'm in the middle of some crazy Netflix movie full of suspense, and I'm sure it's not just me feeling like it's sometimes harder to find that calm than it was before. So it's natural to find yourself overwhelmed and worrying sometimes about what's going to happen next. Well, one of the most important things you can do when you find yourself deep into worry is to breathe. Taking a few breaths and then moving forward is really good for you, and it'll help you focus your attention on yourself and your body and create a space you can use to choose how you want to respond instead of just reacting. And most important, keep dreaming of traveling. There are so many ways to escape, even if you can't go right now. There are virtual online tours of destinations and galleries around the world, and Google is right at your fingertips to get you where you would love to go. Watch travel and food shows and dream about being there. Maybe try to make a recipe from a place you would love to visit sometime. This is the time to talk and plan your future trips right now. Go through your old photos and videos of past trips and get inspired and then just go. Because remember, life is short. Don't postpone joy. 